like don't look at any one specific spot just kind of like have this like lost overlook at the sky so that when you see something out of the corner of your eye you can quickly redirect your vision to that thing it's like those paintings that are have a design hidden within the design where if you stare at it the right way long enough you'll see do you yes. remember those yeah i do impressionist art not impressionist, but it was like these weird optical illusions. It was a bunch of like octagons oh, painted in weird yeah, colors. And then if you stare at it the right way, like a sailboat pops out. And some people can see it and some people can. Right. Yes. But part of what you need to do is kind of just relax your eyes and not try to look at any one shape or one point within the picture. But anyway, I think there was one of the Kevin Smith movies it was probably like Mallrats or something where there was a just a constant bit that they would go back to there was this poor guy staring at this picture trying to see the sailboat that was hidden inside the picture and he was staring at it for like the entire movie they would just constantly come back to him and people would walk up and be like oh cool a sailboat did you see the sailboat no it was the movie saying in real life when I saw these things? No, I'm saying watching the movie, could the audience see the sailboat and no, the character no, could? No, no, no. Okay. So it wasn't obvious? No, but anyone who had been to a mall in the 90s remembers walking past like a brookstone with one of these, you know, prints outside the store where if you stare at it the right way, a picture, a three-dimensional picture like pops out. Yeah. And he used to drive people nuts like, I don't see it. This yep. is bullshit. Then someone else would walk up and be like, oh, it's a sailboat. <laughs> like, you see it too? That reminds me of that image that went viral of the, the dress where some people saw... Yeah, blue and white like or golden. Gold and black or blue and white. I think those are reversed, like mixed. But some people saw two colors. Oh, it was white and gold and then blue and black. Something like that, yeah. And I truly saw the same dress both ways at different times. Like, it wasn't like when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I can see how I'd be perceived as that, or, oh, I can see how I'd be perceived as that. It's like, I'd look, the first time I saw it, I'd say I saw white and gold, and then the next time I saw it, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe that's the same image. I don't even see gold at all, you know? But did other people look at the same photo with you and say it was the opposite? Yeah, yeah. It, it was the weirdest mindfuck. These are looking at the same thing, seeing two totally different colors. I don't actually know if other people saw it both ways, too. Again, it was like one day I'd look at it and I'd see one thing, another day I'd see the same thing, another day I'd see it, and then the fourth day I'd be like, oh my god, it's a totally different image, you know? I think I saw both, but it was like months apart. Right, right. Anyway, not that we can really dive deep into the psychology of that, but... We can't, well, if people are tuning in to listen to people dive deep into something... They're listening to the wrong show. <laughs> this is just a married couple living in a van driving down the highway. And this is and this is what you just heard over the last nineteen minutes is probably a perfect exemplar of what most of the mindless banter is between us. How we fill the hours and hours and hours of time on the road. 23 and a half hours a day, baby. 23 and a half hours That's a day? That's how many days we spend, I mean, how many hours we spend together a day. 
half hour. Potty time? Or, yeah. Potty time! Um, That's if we both go at the same time. Yeah. If, if I, I go, then you go. It might be like 45 minutes to an hour apart. Yeah. Breaking it up. And that assumes I only go once a day. Right, right. So there's a lot of assumptions baked into that number. Pulling an average. But on average, would you say I go once a day? No. No. Two or three. Days like today pull your average down, but... Yeah, put up a goose egg today. It's still <laughs> early, though. What time is it? It's... Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. That's our bedtime. Yeah, it we is haven't past. stayed up this late in a long time. Yeah. Well, now that's... that the sun goes down at 4.30, we go to bed at, at by 8 o'clock, we're usually horizontal. So maybe... And maybe we'll run out real fast, but maybe that's a good topic for the drive home, right? Mainly because this has sort of gone full circle. We're driving from Santa Barbara back to LA, and this is a week after we finished our four and a half month road trip. The first, it's like when we first got the van, we wanted to field test it to make sure we knew how everything worked. So we did a quick like weekend getaway from LA, drove up to Santa Barbara, spent a couple of nights up here, and then came back to LA. That's how we started this. So after we we did that mini run to Santa Barbara, what, like a day after we got plates on the car? Two days, something like that? We came up on a Thursday night, watched a drive-in movie. It was the nearest drive-in movie theater to Los Angeles that we could find. So we got the plates on, what, a Wednesday? Does that sound right? Sure. We, Thursday night, after I finished work, like, yeah, the summer, so the movies didn't start till late. Yeah, Thursday night. started at 7.30, Yeah, we drove up to Santa Barbara from L.A., which is, what, like an hour and a half? Two hours? Yeah. Two hours of this thing, right? Watched the drive-in movie, drove up into the mountains afterwards, or did we go to the beach? No, we went to the mountains. Yeah, drove up into the mountains, slept in the mountains, and then in the morning, woke up bright and early, drove down to the beach, got in as early as we could. I think it was 8 a.m. They opened. They technically opened. Parked on the beach, and I worked all day Friday staring out at the ocean yeah. from the back of the van with my mobile home. It was a great day. It's a great introduction. Granted, our very first trip was when we picked up the van. We spent a week in Mammoth, but then brought it back to L.A., and realized that we couldn't legally drive with it until we got plates. So it was really our first real trip with it because it was the first time it was truly ours legally. So that was really liberating and exciting. And also, if something went wrong, one of the upsides too, and I know that we're only we're jumping around in our story now, when we picked up the van in July, we spent the people we bought it from, the Strunks, at the Strunks, if you're following them on Instagram. I think they have a YouTube channel now. But people we bought it from were right there. So we spent a week within a 20-minute drive of them. So if something went wrong with the van, we could go running back to mom and dad and be like, what did we break? And they could fix it. When we finally got plates a month later and we came up to Santa Barbara, this was our first like run in the wild where if something went wrong, we had to figure it out on our own. So anyway, so that was the that was the first sort of that was the inaugural or the the first voyage, like independent voyage. 
of the van, the Starship Vanterprise. And now, so that was in August of 2020. It's now December of 2020. We just spent the last four and a half, five months on the road. After that trip, what, we left that weekend, didn't we? Or, or like shortly thereafter? Yeah. We just hit the road. We're like, yeah, two days after we got back. Yeah, we got this. Let's go. And then we hit the road and we we're gone for five months. We just finished that run and now we're back in LA for the holidays. We've been home for all of four days. And I'm like, let's get out of Dodge. Let's go somewhere. And Sunday morning, I think I woke up and got a notification from the Weather Channel app saying that there was going to be the coolest meteor shower of the year that night, Sunday night. So I'm like, let's go watch a drive-in movie and go sleep up in the mountain where we can watch the meteor shower. And then Monday we'll wake up and we'll go right back down to the beach where I worked that Friday, except this time it was a Monday. Uh -huh. So we spent the whole day today parked at the beach on the boardwalk the doors opened up looking out on the water and the sun it granted December instead of August a little bit cooler but <laughs> slightly different experience slightly different but still just as great I think as it was the first time very yeah. relaxing great very productive day definitely one of the more productive locations from a, a work from home perspective if you're working from the road Go to the beach in Santa Barbara, Ledbetter Beach, and have your office window be the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, this was our first repeat location in the van, and I think it was really interesting to know the ins and outs of where we were going. Granted, we only spent one night there, but it was really nice to go to a place and just know the experience that we were going to have. There's a pro and a con to the adventure life that we're living, where we are always going to new locations, always finding new places to sleep, and there's an exhilarating aspect to that, but sometimes it can be a little bit stressful just not to know, especially when we're boondocking, which is what we did here, not to know exactly what the landscape is going to be like when we get there. So it's really nice showing up, and it's exactly what we expect. There's other vans there. The place that we go is up this huge mountain. Like, it takes 20 minutes of driving up a windy road just to get to the flat land that's the designated, you know, unofficially, yeah, unofficially designated boondocking area. And now we've only been there two times, but both times there's been at least five other campers pulled off the exact same which is really comforting when you see other people doing what you're doing and you know, all right, they're not going to, you know, give us all a ticket. Like, clearly people have done this before. Clearly this is a, you know, acceptable place to sleep at night in your car in California, which is kind of few and far between for yeah. the state in particular. It's a little bit harder to move back here. So Specifically Santa Barbara County, where they have written laws that say you're not allowed to sleep in your car right. in Santa Barbara County. Right. Yeah, so it's it's such a gem of a location, and we always end up going after a movie when it's dark, but when we wake up in the morning, it's so bright and beautiful. We just passed the, uh, I know, again, just the fact that we're driving, we just passed a building that had Scientology in big, old, lit up, white letters Yeah. that can be seen from the highway. You want to give them a shout out? 
Yeah, I'm just shocked it still exists. Really? Yeah. They passed one the other day. Um, they're kind of all over, and they're definitely off major. There's one on PCH, I'm pretty sure, that's kind of large. And just, they all kind of stand out. I know what you mean. I didn't see it just now. Well, they, but. they have the word Scientology on the side of the building. Yeah. I feel like they'd be a bit more discreet no. these days and call it something else. No, no, no. They're very vocal. But, all you know, is. we respect all religions and nothing against what anybody believes. All accredited religions. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, it was really nice to have a repeat trip and it was just very comfortable. The funny thing is, <laughs> what happened, what went wrong on this trip that ironically went wrong last time we were well, a couple of things went wrong last time. So I do think it's worth rehashing on our first solo voyage without a safety net. So the first night we go to the, the drive-in movie, it doesn't end until like 1 o'clock in the morning, and then we drive up the side of this mountain in the middle of the night that we had never been to, hoping that once we get to wherever we're supposed to go, that it'll jump out at us and we'll feel okay doing it. Otherwise, we got to drive all the way back down the twisty, windy mountain pass. Yeah, and it's it, you're like hauling this massive van up a hill. It's not an easy thing to do to drive, you know, uphill, especially at night when you can't see what's below you. So it's just I'm having to be on the whole time. You're driving basically up the side of a cliff. Well, even last night when you were doing it, and it wasn't as late, but it was just as dark. I mean, it was what. You're still white knuckling your whole way up because it's a narrow road. You can't see anything that's coming around the bend in front of you. And the whole thing's twisty and windy, yeah. and and you're on the side of a cliff. Yeah. So if you gun it too hard or if you miss your turn, you're careening down an 80 foot drop. You just have to be paying attention the whole time. You can't relax. Right. Like right now, I'm driving straight on a highway at 65 miles an hour, but I'm extremely relaxed. I'm just going I'm straight. Too relaxed. <laughs> but so our our I'd say our there were two mistakes that jumped out in my mind, and some might say three. So that was Thursday night. All day Friday we sat, we parked at the beach, and then we stayed there all night, had dinner at the beach, right? I think we like grilled out or barbecued because they have like barbecue grills right there. It's the middle of the summer, so there were people out like playing frisbee or cornhole. It was probably way more crowded than it should have been. We but were playing cornhole. We were playing cornhole. So, yeah, people were out. Yeah. <laughs> we were no, but there was like I feel like there were college kids, like yeah. a group of college kids, like more than ten in their own little group, like not taking COVID seriously. But um, that night, I think I'm. No, I was cooking dinner in the van, and we ran out of propane. Yeah. So our oven just, or our, our stove just stopped. Yeah. No more flame coming out. And I was like 30 minutes into cooking, cooking chicken. chicken and sides and all this other shit. And it wasn't done yet. We had also been drinking because it was our Friday night. And our plan was, let's just sleep here at the beach. So we were drinking all all evening. And then I don't think I started cooking till late, real late. 
because we ended up playing cornhole, got really into that, kept drinking, blah, 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 didn't throw the food on until late, and then the flame went out, and so now we had nothing to soak up the booze, and we decided the best way to overcome not eating was to do some more drinking. <laughs> well, no, you came up with an, you came up with an alternative, which was really impressive, but very slow to cook the rest of our oh, meal. Oh, to finish the chicken? Yeah. So you used, what do you I call used a, a sterno. Yeah, I, had, I happened to have a sterno and a coffee can, like one of those tin coffee cans that was empty. And I just took a can opener and cut off the, the bottom. So like the top was already, the top round part was already cut off so you could get into the coffee. But the bottom it. side. We're seeing somebody get pulled over right no, in front of us. It's fire department. I don't think they're oh. pulling anyone over. Right. Um, yeah, I cut the bottom of the can off, so basically you have this perfect cylinder with holes on both sides. And I put the sterno, I feel like on the stove, and then I put the coffee can over the sterno so that there was space between the frying pan, the cast iron frying pan, and the sterno. And I used the sterno to heat up the cast iron which in turn cooked the chicken that was in there. And what would have taken like 10 minutes on a regular open flame took about two hours. <laughs> I forget how funny this story is now that I'm replaying it in my head. So it's already really late when you start doing this. And I want to give you a lot of credit because this is one of the most genius things. Like you are determined to finish this meal and it turns out incredible. But you're like, I've already put in all this work. I'm not letting this chicken go to waste. It's I basically it was like chicken slow, tikka masala. Yeah, I had an awesome sauce, and I basically slow cooked it in the sauce by accident. So the chicken came out so tender and juicy, yeah. right? And it was warm through, like, it was so good. But again, <laughs> the whole two hours waiting for the chicken to be ready we kept drinking and at some point you just passed the fuck out. You could not be, there was no waking you up. I was so tired. Well, I was so hungry and then I just gave up and I'm like, you know, if I just, if I just close my eyes, this pain won't go away. And so I closed my eyes and I, we have a U-shaped couch that turns into our bed, but we hadn't made the bed yet because we were still planning on having dinner. So I just curled my body into an L and I fell asleep on the long way and, you know, the end of the U and basically took up, you know, 75% of the couch. And I guess, I mean, from my perspective, what happened is the next thing I know, I'm waking up at 2 a.m. It's dark and I don't know where you are. I'm so confused. I'm like, what happened? Why am I still starving? Like, why <laughs> am I waking up and I didn't eat? <laughs> Did I eat? And then I'm like, where's Chris? And I start to get up and I realize that you are on the floor. Sleeping on the floor. You are sleeping on the floor. Well, I ate too much chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been good. <laughs> well, so no, I, I think we were, I don't think we started cooking dinner until like after 11 o'clock. Yeah, it was really so now it's like 1 a.m. and the food's finally done. You're sleeping on the, you're sleeping, 
we don't, like I said, we don't have the bed made up, and nobody knows what that means, right? Our... I described it. It's a U-shaped couch, and I was on... Yeah, it's a U-shaped couch at the back of our van with a table in the middle. The table pops out, slides into the space where your legs usually go when you're sitting on the couch, and then you fill it in with cushions, and it turns into our bed. While it's this U-shape around the table, with you sleeping on two-thirds of the U, making the L, there was only enough space there for me to sit up and eat all that chicken. <laughs> but there was no laying down. So now it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm hammered, and now I'm really full because I just ate enough food to feed two people. Right, so I instantly get a food coma, and I'm out of booze. So I start crashing, and it is incredibly uncomfortable falling asleep sitting up <laughs> on, a, on a van couch on a makeshift van couch with a table in front of you. I tried for a little while, right? You know how like when you try to sleep on an airplane and you put the, the table down in front of you and you throw oh your arms gosh. down and fold, like, fold your arms in front of you and put your head into your arms, but then like your back starts to hurt because you're hunched over in a weird way. I tried doing that for a little while. Well, before that, I tried waking you up once to feed you, right? <laughs> and I was, I had to check to make sure you were still breathing because that's, how convincing. <laughs> I'm really good at playing dead. Yeah, playing, yeah. And then once I realized you were breathing, I'm like, fuck it, she's not waking up. I'm gonna eat. More for me. Well, no, I didn't, no. That just happened. It's sort of <laughs> like, I started eating, there was still food there, I tried waking up again, wasn't happening, so I'm like, fuck, all this food's gonna go to waste. So I ate all the chicken and all the sides, whatever else we made. And now I'm stuffed, hammered, it's one, two o'clock in the morning, can't lay down. The, the kitchen counter area of the van is an absolute disaster. And so I'm like, fuck it, she's not waking up. I need to fall asleep, or, I'm, or, I'm, or I did fall asleep, I dozed off a few times, but I woke up in pain, I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna lay down on the rug in the middle of because that's what I did. So I wake up naturally. I'm just pissed at you. I'm like, I cannot believe you like, wake me up chicken. for dinner. <laughs> I'm still starving. Clearly, I didn't eat dinner today. And then it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And what we didn't mention earlier is that there were very clear signs in this parking lot that said no camping overnight. No overnight parking. Yeah. And we were kind of like, it's California. They're super chill here. Who's realistically driving through a beach think, parking lot in the middle of the night? I think the drunken rationale was this is a state or a county run sort of beachfront and there's so many parking lots. There's so much ground to cover. It's like right smack in the middle of the pandemic where most stuff is still pretty much closed down. Right? I assume or the way I rationalized it was there's no way that whoever is staffed at whatever authority is in charge of checking the parking lots to make sure that people aren't sleeping in their vans in front of the beach there's no way that they've got enough people on staff to check every parking lot for all the beaches and wherever or they've got better shit to deal with right now other than a couple of fucking kids sleeping in their van in front of the beach now, what are the odds that they're actually going to come through and give us a hard time? Well, needless to say, I opened my eyes at 2 
two o'clock. I don't know if it's because there was a flash of light, but I jump up and all of a sudden I look out the window after realizing there's no food to eat. And lo and behold, a beach parking lot sheriff, whatever the person's title is, is knocking on the window of a car at the other end of the parking lot. Telling them to get lost. Telling them they're not supposed to be sleeping in the parking lot. And I, of course, lose my shit. I'm like, oh, first of all, I don't expect to get arrested, but I do expect some type of fine, and I am not interested in paying a fine for what we were doing. So I, I, I like start shaking you profusely. I'm like, we gotta go. We gotta run. There's a problem. And now you, it sounds like, have just fallen asleep. So you're so groggy, confused, still drunk, have no idea what's happening. And I'm like, you gotta help me pack this shit up. And the best part is we had so much stuff on the counter that we had to like put away so that we could start driving the car again. I had so an entire frying pan filled with tea, chick, like tikka masala sauce. With no chicken. With no chicken. Okay, so yeah. No, you, no you heard I corrected myself. I was about to say chicken. <laughs> I just want everyone to know you ate all of the food. It was I just tikka masala. There was nothing for me to eat. Um, and we start frantically putting the stuff away. And while we're doing that, the... <laughs> I, I don't know what her title the is. The Renacop. We'll call her a Renacop. Pulls up perpendicular to our car, blocking us in. It shines the brightest light I've ever had in my face into our vehicle. And our front window is huge. So the amount of surface area that is covered by this light is everything in the van. And it is so startling because now it's like 3 a.m. And we're so out of it and so guilty. Oh, yeah. And I just didn't know what to do. I'm like, the last thing I want is to have to get outside and talk to this person. So I start, like, waving my hands. I'm like, we're going. Sorry. I'm, like, trying to apologize. Like, get out of the fucking window. way so I can move my van. And she's blocking us in. And I was like, is she blocking us in so that we can, you know, she can write down our information and we'll get a ticket or I don't know. It was, it was pretty much worst case scenario for me at that point. I'm like, maybe we will get arrested because she's not letting us leave. That was worst case scenario. I don't know. I just, I was, I don't break the rules. Or get in trouble very often, so I felt like a felon. <laughs> felon? <laughs> uh, my worst case scenario is someone comes in to harvest our organs. There's nothing we can do. Yeah, I was more afraid of the rent to cop. <laughs> but I guess the, the the callback is that the last time we came up to Santa Barbara, we ran out of propane. And this is the first time, again, the last time is the first time we've ever run out of propane. We've only had the vehicle on the road for a week and a day, so we have no idea what it takes to run out of propane. We don't know how full it was when we got it. We still don't. We have no way of... There's no gauge on there to tell you, hey, you're in a quarter tank. Yeah. Probably need to fill up. You kind of just got to be like, uh, let's... There's a propane place over there. Let's go fill it up. Yeah. It's and, been a while. And so after that happened, we obviously did fill it up. We learned that our tank holds two and a half gallons of propane, which it's a very small tank, and that's not a lot of propane. But we've gone over a month, month and a half sometimes between fill-ups, and we've been overly cautious since then to just be like, oh, it's been a while, can't remember the last 
last time we filled up the propane. Let's let's go get some more. And there's always like a gallon still left in the tank. Right. So like this stuff just goes forever. Right. This is magic propane. Get it from the same place that Jack bought his magic beans. <laughs> so on this trip. On this trip, we go to the drive-in. So we leave on Sunday afternoon and get up to the drive-in movie theater outside of Santa Barbara and have these grand plans of cooking dinner while we're watching the movie. And within, what, 10 minutes of us starting dinner, yeah. we're out of gas, completely out of propane. So we immediately pulled out plan B, and I think I ate four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches last night. Wow. Yeah. Used like almost all the bread. Uh, that was our dinner last night. It was just such a full circle situation because we've been on the road for basically four and a half months if you aggregate all the days. The only place we've run out of propane is Santa Barbara. Yeah. And at this point, I mean, the first time it happened, wasn't our fault because we pretty much got it empty. The second time it happened, completely our fault. We've been on the road for four and a half months and we know how much it holds and it had been at least a month and a half since we've been Yeah, and we've been cooking at least for the last six weeks. Right. Like, we don't, we can't remember. It wasn't until we, so we went, we did a month in it, like, we did five weeks in Utah and then like a week in the deserts in Nevada before eventually coming back to LA and I think on the drive back to LA we stopped to get In-N-Out Burger short of that like we didn't do much takeout at all in those six weeks yeah we cooked we're just a cooking lot. every single day it's totally our fault yeah. it's so funny to see it come full circle so that was it was entertaining but other than the propane mishap very ironic other than that mishap it was nice to know what we were getting into this whole trip. You know, we know where to go for the drive-in, we know how much it costs, we know where to boondock afterwards, how to get there. Driving up this scary mountain road isn't as scary because we know what's at the end of it. You know, all of the stressful parts of the spontaneity of road travel weren't stressful this trip. Yeah, this was like, it felt like coming back to an old home and then having a full day just sitting on the beach. Like at least, I think no less than half a dozen times today, you felt compelled to audibly let me know how relaxed you were. Just sitting in the van, writing in your journal, listening to the seagulls. Yeah, and the waves crashing, which is kind of embarrassing because I'm pretty relaxed most days, but there was something about the sunshine. It's also winter and a lot of places we've been, we've been in snow we've been in cold weather and something about having like vitamin d <laughs> with this the ambiance that we were in i just haven't felt that zen i mean that was next level relaxation i, I feel like i went to the spa today you know it was incredible yeah no, it was great just like last time because we're parked backed up right into the boardwalk on, almost on the boardwalk anyone who's walking by or jogging or that stops and sees us sitting in the van and they look into the van, they get real excited about chatting with us about where we've been, what yeah. we're up to, if we built it ourselves. It's always the first question. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not stopping to talk to us, they're all turning their heads. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah, we had a woman tonight decide to take our photo from the boardwalk, all of five feet from us. Not even acknowledge that we were there. Just stop, take the photo. And then, after us staring at her, kind of like, what are you doing? Everyone else who's done that has actually asked first before and, they do that. And the crazy thing is that it was pitch black outside, so we couldn't see her. She was just a shadow that walked by. The yeah, lights were on in the van help. and our doors were open. So she's not far from us, but we're standing at our table and the doors open. And all of a sudden, we see this this silhouette stop moving and then and a, flash. a flash. I felt like, I said this right after, I'm like, I guess this is what it's like to be famous. Paparazzi. I feel like there's paparazzi outside just like creepy, creepily taking photos of us. It's very weird. And then she finally said hello. Yeah. Like, acknowledge the fact that we're staring right at her. No apology then, for the no, photo. No, no. Of us eating dinner yeah. at our dining room table. <laughs> that was odd. Uh, but otherwise, it's been a really fun part of this. Everywhere we go, leave the doors open, the people walk by. But here in particular, people are very curious. We've made a lot of friends at this boardwalk in particular. Yeah. But I, I guess where I was going was now that we've kind of done a full circle trip, we we started with a little weekend getaway to come up to Santa Barbara and camp out in the mountains for a weekend. And then shortly thereafter, we hit the road and spent four or five months, you know, zigzagging all across the western part of the country. And now that we're back in L.A. for the holidays, presumably for the next probably three to four weeks or so before hitting the road again, now that we've got our first major leg under our belt and that we've come back to where we started, if you had to look back on then and just sort of think about what you knew then and maybe what your expectations were um, and what you learned maybe along the way or where your head's at now. Yeah. I don't know if you had to like think of one or two things that kind of float to the top. Yeah, I feel like there's a larger overarching answer I can give, but that would probably be just the level of comfort I have living the lifestyle because there's so many little things that build up that we, we're just more comfortable with. But if I were to pick a couple of those little things that give me that confidence, they would be something about sleeping. I do still sleeping? like sleeping locations. Okay. So I do still stand by. It's great not knowing where you're going to sleep tomorrow, but that can be a little bit stressful. Having gone to so many different states and done both camping and boondocking in almost all of them, I feel like we generally have a good grasp of what we can get away with where, what we're comfortable with where, and a lot of that has to do with our varying levels of comfort. We don't necessarily think the same way, so I now sort of know your tendencies and you know mine with what we're so it's, it's nice to be, maybe even not on the same page, but just more understanding of each other's creature comforts, like what we're looking for in space. Um, and then also, again, just what's legal and what's not, and how so, to be smart about it. touching on the comfort thing, if you had to categorize what you're comfortable with in terms of 
sleeping in your car at night in an unfamiliar place or like in a new town or in a new part of the world, what are, what's high on your list as must-haves in order for you to sleep through the night without feeling nervous? I really like if there's multiple other campers where we are. Um, There's a couple of places that we've been where there's either only been like one other vehicle or a, a, I don't mean to generalize, but like a creepy vehicle, <laughs> like a specific type of vehicle that's like like a white van. Yeah, like <laughs> like kind of like what we are. No, there was one place when we slept outside <laughs> Goblin Valley. We found this great location that was flat land on iOverlander. Um, that is the website we use the most to find food docking locations. It's crowdsourced, and people who use the app will mark something down a, a location on the map and say whether or not it's des- it's um, a like specified camping location or if it's food docking or if it's a place that has water or a place that has dumps. So we found a great location outside Goblin Valley, ironically on Halloween, so that was probably a big factor. But when we got there, there was like this big, it was like the bed of a Mack truck, is that the right way to say it? Parked next to the space that we ended up sleeping. Yeah, it looked like something that like Con Ed would drive around Manhattan if it were fixing, you know, if I was a guy who worked on utility poles or fixed people's cable lines or something. Yeah. It was like an industrial strength truck without, with nothing, it was just the nothing. frame. It wasn't towing anything behind it. Yeah, so there was, was no like, bed for the truck. Yeah, it, it was like, like the big front part of it with a slot in the back for something to be towed, something large to be towed, and it was the most random thing to find there. So, had I been alone, I would not have stayed there. That was, I was only comforted in knowing that you were there, but that freaked me out a lot. Um, another one. We're out in the middle of the desert. We find a oh, spot like, in the middle of nowhere. It happens to be Halloween land. night, and I think it was a full moon. It was like, if I've ever seen a horror movie, this is it, and I don't end up alive in the end. I don't make it through that film. <laughs> so that, that was scary. So for, I guess, a solo traveler, it's like if you're uncomfortable because of the other vehicles around you or lack thereof, then just relocate if you can. Obviously, it's not always that easy, but if you hadn't been there, I would have found something else. I wouldn't have stayed just there. Just because the car itself didn't look like something that somebody would be Why is it there? Camping. Yeah. There was no reason for that to be there unless somebody's I don't know. It was just, it wasn't normal, and it Which, just gave me the chills. The honestly. funny part about it is, the next day we saw it in the state park in the parking lot. Somebody could have been sleeping in it that night. I don't know. And power oh, to guess. them. It just didn't seem right. A lot of these places you see other vans that are like yours, or other trailers that are like yours, and it was just kind of weird. But um, what else? I'm typically. I'm typically more afraid of animals than people, so unlike you, I like when there's other vans around, assuming there are other people doing what we're doing. I love that our spot to boondock outside of Santa Barbara always has other vans and trailers. It just seems like it's a really safe place. Like,
No, the day a bear learns how to wield a tire iron and smash in my windows, then yeah, I'll start being afraid of a bear or a moose or a deer or a bobcat snipping around. I have a feeling there's plenty of videos of bears breaking into camper vans for food. Again, I feel like I stand a better chance against a bear. Against a a bear motivated to get into my van for food because that's what he's looking for. You are food. I'm not food. <laughs> or I'm I'm very <laughs> expensive calories to the bear, especially when what I'm living in is the greatest buffet that bear has ever come across. So why would he go after me when I move and I run and I throw shit? When he can just make a lot of noise, scare the piss out of me, I'll run out the back door, he can come in through the front door, go to town on all the food in my van, and I'll just run away scared like a little girl. Whereas, someone who breaks, a human who breaks into my van in the middle of the night, I don't know what their motivations are, but I know sure as shit, he's probably not going after the marshmallows and graham crackers I have in the cupboard. <laughs> And the fact that I'm in the van when he's breaking into it, which he could probably discern considering where he found the van, means that he's not worried about the fact that there's humans in the van. And he probably thought that through before breaking in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm way more scared of humans and what they're capable of than a bear. When I know the bear's motivation is to get at my bananas or something. Yeah. That's my rationale behind that. Yeah. But just like with each other, again, like just knowing that about you, that's fine. I think we're we're aligned. With I think a there's a healthy things. balance there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also, like, just where we very, like, I know it's really important to you to be near a bathroom. Like, that goes a long way. And if we don't put the boondog, then we'll do our research before we go park and we'll know where there's a public restroom that we can use within like, a 10 minute drive within a 10 minute drive because we didn't know where to go or we didn't know what was open it would be a little bit stressful in the morning um so some of them are creature comfort based some of them are safety based some of them are just convenience based um but i just feel like there's you can come up with a long list of did you think? Did you think heading out before we head out? Did you know lived in the van long term on the road? Did you think you would need more creature comforts than you actually did, or less? Or were you pretty much? I think I I I would have said I don't need a lot of creature comforts, and I still don't think I do. I'm a lot more like thrifty, if you will, than you. Um, where I I have a harder time than you booking a campground when I know they're somewhere next door we can stay for free and just struggle a little bit more but it's free and we just don't need to be in a campground but since traveling I've come around to spending more than we need to because some of our best nights have been in campgrounds and more so we we have access to the amenities, but we also just end up meeting really cool people there, whereas if we're boondocking, you're not really talking.
about you personally? Now, you definitely answered the question, but I guess when I hear, like, you're thriftier than I am or I'm quicker to spend money on stuff that we don't need, per se, yeah. in the moment, not quite what I was asking. Okay. More so along the lines of, like, I'm Kayla, I can handle this, this, and this. But this is where I draw, this is probably where I'm going to draw the line. And then you end up out there on the road, and after about a month on the road, you're like, oh, all those things I thought I would need to feel comfortable, or all the creature comforts I thought that I would. Yeah, um, not, as far as creature comforts are concerned, I think my, my baseline was already pretty low. And I love your opinion of me, because I'm sure I have a glossy vision of myself as most people probably do but I guess one thing is before we left I was like I'm gonna clean the van every single day like the dirt that gets in the van which happens so easily at the beginning bothered me so much more than it does now and now I just I just accept it because a lot of days I'm like I just can't keep cleaning the van all day every day <laughs> six right? weeks in the desert will do that too. right so I still clean it a decent amount and I still like when I do clean it, I ask you to take your shoes off. But if there's already dirt on the floor, I'm like, fuck it, we just both leave our shoes on, and then I just don't take my shoes off at all. Like, I, so I still don't necessarily like the dirt, but I've come around on it. So that's that was probably the biggest one because before we left, I was like, I'm gonna keep this thing spotless. spotless all and the now time. there's just times that I accept it, give up, and I don't care anymore. Just hang out outside. Yeah. Stop just, walking back in the van. You'll I stop tracking dirt. I let it go a lot more. Um, that's the biggest one. I can't. I can't think of any other examples of things I've like loosened up on. I mean, I I don't like bugs. I still don't like bugs. I don't know that I've really changed on that front. I'll kill them if I have to. If you're around, I'll make you do it. You know. Yeah, I thought the bugs would bother me a lot more than they actually did. Well, we've been in cold weather a lot, so there's only been a couple places they've actually been a nuisance. Um, I think I've learned that flies, like the black flies, what are they, like houseflies or something? Not like the tiny little fruit flies, but just like your average size fly. Those are potentially the most annoying things because they buzz, they don't stop moving, they don't leave, you're not afraid of anything. And once they get in your van, it's like they're just in your van. Like, you can open the windows, open the doors, and they just don't fly out. Even when you're driving, I figure out. bumblebee oh, will eventually find its way out. Yeah, yeah. But black flies will just stay with you. Like, we've crossed state lines with the same flies in our house. That bugs me. Um, and not that I am afraid of them or... I, I was never bugged by them before because I've never had that many flies in my household or at least I haven't noticed it if they have been because we're in such a small space now that they stand out. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think my level of tolerance for bugs is probably the same. Um, yeah, we haven't had, I feel like once we hit the East Coast, I think that, you know, we have insect repellent in the car and I don't think we use it more than once or twice. Right. And that was probably in the early... Yeah, we haven't really had mosquitoes. We haven't really had anything other than black flies we've had like a few uh, i don't know nothing we're talking about nothing no but there have been days where we're just posted up in the van
van during the day while I'm working and we want the doors open and invariably the flies gravitate. They'll get like yeah. certain days just if the weather's just right. Their fans in the backsplash just yeah. like we are. They like to come in and cool off or something. I know for you, you come around a lot more than you thought you would. I know you talked about that um, in the last episode. Yeah, in in certain ways, right? And that's more about adapting to not having the city around me, where I've always felt, even like when we've traveled internationally, I've always felt comfort in being in a big city. It just felt less foreign to me, knowing that there's just this massive metropolis of just all these systems and sort of it's a knowable, it's always been a knowable universe for me where I felt like I understood the laws of physics that ran big cities and I could navigate my way through them no matter where we go, given enough time. And I didn't think I would adapt to or find comfort, solace, or as much, you know, joy as I do, as I have, just being out in the wilderness at times where I feel like we're the only people around for it feels like a hundred miles and you could sit for like three, four, five hours straight the only man-made noise that creeps into your eardrums or like the occasional jet plane that's flying four miles overhead so that like I thought it would be cool sort of I expected the adventure to be the spontaneity, the seeing cool things, the all that stuff, but I didn't think I would enjoy as much as I did just the openness and the sort of that country lifestyle. And, and even in the small towns, just sort of the, the simplicity and the slower pace and all the stuff that like, you know, most city folk talk shit about. Yeah, we, I think we both, used to get really aggravated traveling places and having it take a long time, but I feel like you maybe a little bit more than me. And now you're so, you know, when people like stop and ask you how your day is going rather than ringing you up, you'll have a full conversation with them. It's just very pleasant, very foreign. Yeah, you're telling me. But in terms of like, on more of a pragmatic sense, like things that I thought I would be comfortable with. I thought I'd be able to just walk out into the world and just shit in the woods and think nothing of it. That's true. And you bought a shovel to go do that, and you haven't. You have yeah, that. I'm not. Did you use the woods? I don't think you've used it. Not. I've used the shovel, but not for. Yeah. Digging holes to poop in. Huh. And yeah, just not near as comfortable doing that. Having my bare ass hanging out. I think I did it once in the desert and the whole time I was worried that I was going to get bit in the ass by a fucking snake in the middle of the dark. Well, welcome to peeing outside as a female. Well, peeing outside, I got, I haven't run into any issues with that yet. As a female. That's what I'm saying. That fear that you had, same fear. Getting bit in the I guess. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're down low. You're squatting. Hard. Or a car passing by and being like, "Oh, that's a guy out there in the middle of the yeah. middle of the field." Like the, 
you did it right off the highway. That was that was. Yeah, but it was like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and but... <laughs> I had zero options. Yeah. And zero time. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is happening now, and I needed to adapt very quickly. I was very proud of you. We didn't actually even talk about it. You just came back I'm like, you good? You're like, yep. <laughs> Thank you for not talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I thought it was too soon. It was too soon. I'm glad on air now it's not too soon. No, it's still too soon. <laughs> still not comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to be backpacking through the wilderness probably anytime soon. A few things in... I think I've come to the realization that there are a few things in life that I need. And if I have access to them on a pretty regular basis or daily basis I should say that I can just be happy for the rest of my life yeah yeah one of those things is having a proper throne to sit my fat ass upon to enjoy a peaceful bowel movement it goes a long way towards maintaining my sanity somehow our, our conversations always come back to it's just natural shitting and pissing. You spend so much time doing it. It's only natural you talk about it a lot. Not you, the royal you. We all should talk about it a lot. <laughs> Hence the throne. Um, but yeah, full circle. We've now been on the road over four months. Haven't killed each other yet. Haven't killed each other yet. Just revisited our first location and as we head out east, which is our next plan after the holidays, we'll probably potentially revisit a couple other locations that we've already been to. Um, but I just feel like we'll approach it with a, diff- a slightly different lens of having a bit more confidence, knowing what we're looking for, knowing what makes us happy, knowing what situations to try not to get into so that our pipes don't freeze or our battery doesn't die or our solar panels are clean I think we've learned a couple lessons the hard way and I'm sure there's still more to come but I think we've gotten some of the baseline lessons out of the way so our next piece of the education will be a little bit more advanced um, I know I'm excited I feel feel like we're definitely not pros but some like amateur pro level maybe yeah. not noobs now seasoned novices. Yes. I can run with that. With that, we're merging onto the 405. We're almost back to our destination. It is, I do think it's worth noting that driving into bigger cities now, like the first time, like when we drove into Denver after spending a month in Wyoming, mm-hmm. in Montana, and just being, you know, the biggest town we had driven into was like Jackson, Jackson Hole or something like that, which is just a tourist trap town where a bunch of bars, restaurants, and souvenir shops. Driving into Denver with like the multi-lane highways and one-way streets and construction everywhere, I remember feeling almost instantly claustrophobic, and it was after... Yeah, not that long, like a month being out in the woods. You know, in the middle of the night, hearing nothing but the fire crackle and elk making mating calls. Yeah, it is very stressful driving in cities. I mean, 
don't have as much peripheral vision. I, I can't really see to my left. Like, I don't know, turning right is challenging. Like, making, like, a merging right turn. I'm always asking you for help. But, yeah, there's just a lot happening, and there's a lot of directions you can go. But We just count on everyone else being able to see us. Yes. <laughs> That's my plan. Just merge slowly, put your blinker on, and if you're about to hit somebody, hopefully they notify you with the horn. This is the level of sound quality our very first episode should have had. Yeah. No, I think it's a good temperature check episode, see where our head's at. Good chat. Good chat. Yeah. I'm, I'm, good talking to you, babe. Good talking to you. Happy honeymoon. Thanks for all.